I'm so excited to start a brand new uh, collection of talks with you this morning on the book of Colossians. And we wanted to do something special uh, for this collection of talks for the month of July uh, because we love not only impacting you on Sundays and doing whatever we can to help your journey of faith, but also for you to know that faith and following Jesus and our journey of trusting God with our life is just as important on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera, as it is on Sunday. And so I wanted to give you a gift as we go through these talks, and it's this little journal that you were given when you walked in. It's a little journal for you throughout this month to begin kind of your own personal walkthrough of the book of Colossians. And as you open it up, there is, we gave you a pen because that's important because I always know you need a pen because I always think you should write some things down. I think it's key, even more powerful than typing things into our phone. But also there's a big QR code that you can scan. And what that's going to give you is a Colossians devotional that we created for you to help you walk through your time in scripture over the next few days going into next Sunday. And each Sunday, the message is going to kind of kick off the topic of discussion for that week. So if you weren't able to grab them when you walked in, we'll have them at the table and at Connect Corner. And I would love for you to say, you know what? I want to take a new step. I want to take one step closer in my relationship with Jesus. And if this is what my pastor is telling me to do, I'm simply going to do it and to see what God does. Because the whole subtext of the book of Colossians is that Jesus is more than enough. And that's, that's what I want you to see today. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, just so you know, Jesus is more than enough. Let them know that today and mean it when you say it, because who you don't know, they may really need to know that today. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is all we need and all we could ever want in our life. And a relationship with him is possible. That's what we're doing on Sundays, inviting you to know that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And you cannot talk to someone that you have a healthy, life-giving relationship with for 30 minutes or an hour on one day a week and expect that relationship to be vibrant and healthy and life-giving. If I were just to talk to my wife for an hour one day a week, that would not go well. That would not lead to a strong and healthy marriage. If I were only to talk to my son, Shepard, one hour a week, and forget about them the other six days, that would not lead to a healthy, strong relationship with my kid. And I want you to know that we cannot have a healthy, vibrant, strong relationship with Jesus that helps us in every area of our life if it's just about one hour on a Sunday. It's gotta be something that we practice daily. We wanna do whatever it takes that all you have to do is simply say yes, and we'll give you every step of the way. And that's what this is about. Bring it with you each Sunday, too, because we normally do the fill in the blanks, but I really wanted God to speak to you during this conversation, because I want you to know God doesn't just speak to me because I have pastor in front of my name. He speaks to you because you're his son, you're his daughter as well, and what you could write down in these pages, I believe, could be incredibly powerful for your life and be incredibly real for how God is speaking to you right now today in July of 2022. So I would say, let's go and let's do this together. If you're with me, come on, give me a good amen as we start the message today. All right, so today the title of the message is The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. And I still give you the notes on the screen so you can write them down in your journal today. The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Jesus. Now, what does this mean? It ultimately means that supremacy is this understanding that Jesus is supreme. 
It's right when you go to Taco Bell. The best taco or burrito you can get is the supreme, all right? And so that's what we're leaning into. The best of the best, the most important, packed with all the good stuff is supreme. Understanding that supremacy is realizing that I've surrendered control to Jesus. I know some of us out there, not many people here at our church, but I know some of us out there might be a little bit of a control freak in our life. (laughs) Amen, there we go. Um, But the thing is, is that that doesn't work spiritually. We've got to let go and let God sometimes. And not only is Jesus supreme in our life, but he's also sufficient. That meaning when Jesus is in control, he will always be more than enough. He will always be exactly what you need, exactly when you need, and will be there for you in every single storm and circumstance, even before you step into those things. That's the Jesus that we believe in. That's the Jesus that we're invited to have a relationship with. Think about it this way. I think it's important sometimes to take a deep breath and and allow ourselves to have a fresh experience with Jesus. To say, you know what, today, I'm gonna kind of take a deep breath and allow myself to have a reset button experience in my relationship with Jesus. Who out there would raise your hand and say, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I love when my house is clean. Anybody out there, you just love a clean house? Some of the wives, you know, elbowing the husband, hey, come on, the house is a little dirty when we get home, let's go. Now, I, I don't mind, I can work with clutter and things like that. It's kind of something you absolutely have to do if you have a child, especially when they're four years old, like they just love running around. But I do love those moments where the house is clean where you get it all clean, it's got that nice, fresh Lysol smell. You light a candle, and that candle just billows throughout the clean hallways and clean rooms and kitchens, and it just smells ah, fresh, right? Now, if you understand this, uh, when you have a four-year-old child, that freshness lasts about eh, 20, 30 minutes, if on a good day, right? Because then toys are going everywhere, books are everywhere, dirty feet are running up and down the couch that you just washed. It's okay. You get to understand that as a parent, and my parents in the room understand that too. But I believe it's really important because sometimes we can begin to live in the clutter and kind of uncleanliness of our house and and think this is just the way it is. And we forget the blessing of where we live. We forget the blessing of what we have. And with Jesus, I think it's really important with our relationship with him to take a deep breath, Clean everything out and get that fresh experience again. Think, look at this verse in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 is going to be the verse that we lean into today and through the week. It says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You may feel like you're in a dark situation right now. You may feel like your family is in darkness, your financial situation, your job situation, your relationships, you're afraid of them, they're in a dark time right now and you just don't know what to do. You may feel broken and alone on the inside. You may have a lot of questions about God. You may feel like God has forgotten about you. I am here to tell you that Jesus has rescued you from whatever darkness you've been in and especially the darkness of sin and he's moved you into the kingdom of God where there is light, where there is always hope, where there is healing, encouragement, strength, and forgiveness because that is what Jesus bought on the cross 
cross, and that is what Jesus gave us when he walked out of that grave alive. Today, local city church, you have been rescued from darkness and transferred into the light, into the hope, into the kingdom of God that is more amazing and indescribable than you could possibly imagine. If you're thankful for that, come on, give God some praise this morning. If you can tell, you know, this is kind of a conversation where, you know, I say, hey, give God some praise, give a good amen. It's okay to shout out, yeah, that's good, or amen, because we're in this together. And I love this idea that, that Jesus is the start of it all. He's supreme and sufficient, and he's more than enough. And so today, as we jump into this, I want you to think about this question that I'm going to pray, and we're going to walk through our conversation. But I would love for you to write down this conversation in that notebook that you were given, because I think this is a really important question we can ask ourselves today. And it's this idea right here. It's that, is Jesus just important to me, or is he truly first in my life? Is Jesus just important to me, or is he truly first in my life? If he's important, you think about him sometimes. If he's first, you go to him daily asking him for help and asking him for guidance and asking him for wisdom. If he's important, then we trust him, you know, just in the areas that are comfortable, If he's first, we trust him even when we can't think or imagine and have no idea why we're trusting him in these moments, even when it goes against what we're thinking we should do. Is he important or truly first? And I can tell by the silence in the room, that's a heavy question. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and get into the message, all right? Let's bow our heads and pray and invite God into our conversation today. God, we just pray right now as we open our hearts to you that you would speak to us. We pray that you would begin to Show us how Jesus is more than enough and the truth of your son, Jesus, in our life. How the gospel that we celebrate is good news for everybody. And God, I pray today that all of us would take a step closer to you and commit to simply saying yes to you in our life and really learning from you and growing in our relationship with you. And God, we're so thankful that you haven't forgotten about us and that you're with us today. We're thankful for what this weekend signifies, that our freedom for all the people that have gone before us to make it possible and where we live, God, we're just so thankful. God, I'm, I'm so honored to be with our church today, and I pray for all of our kids and local city kids. I pray today they would fall in love with you as well and be with our kids team today as they have the amazing opportunity as well to show the next generation that Jesus loves them and that he has a great life ready for them. We're so thankful, God, we give you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. All right, let's get into it today. As you can tell, you know, uh, we are in a little bit of mourning here since, uh, you know, our our lightning didn't bring home the Stanley Cup this year. But that's okay. I'm still going to be praying in my quiet time for next year as we rebuild during free agency and all that good stuff. But I think about today, I think about the truth of what I want to present to you. And I think about maybe as you've been growing up, there's been some lies that you've believed about God and about Jesus that have impacted and influenced your life today, that have begun to maybe set you in a place where you believe things about God that aren't true, that are now affecting you as you grow up. I was thinking about this, and I began to write some things down of how there were lies that I believed as a kid that simply weren't true. There were lies that I believed as a kid that had a hold over my life, even into adulthood. And I want to share them with you today just to be open and honest and maybe laugh a little bit. Let's look at these lies we may have believed as a kid that for certainly are not true, have no influence over our life. Number one, My parents taught me that it was illegal to keep the light on in the car while you're driving at night. The little dome light above, like when I would turn that on, my dad would be like, turn that off. We're going to get pulled over. 
And I believed growing up that was against the law. Not true. And so now I realize I just drive with the light on all the time. Because like, hey, uh, this was not true. I grew up believing it's a lie. Second thing, you can't shower during a storm. You'll get struck by lightning. We literally just had this conversation in our house the other day where Adrian's like, it's storming outside. Don't take a shower. You'll get struck by lightning. First, I appreciated the care and concern from my loving wife, uh, always. Uh, but then I was like, no, that's not true. Number three, but when you get in the shower, you always got to check behind the curtain because there might be someone there. Every time, still today, I'm like, Somebody in there? You just never know because you can't see, right? Those people that got the nice glass doors on your shower, you're like, I'm good, man. I know. I can see. Well, I got the curtain, and sometimes you got to peek behind to make sure no one's there. Let's keep going. Number four is this. Every single adult is absolutely swimming in cash. You remember when you were five years old, and maybe grandma or someone gave you like a $10 bill or a $20 bill in your car? You'd be like, I'm rich. And then you get to it in adulthood, you're like, how did that 20 go by so fast? Like, I didn't even buy for groceries this week, right? Little bit of a dishonesty that maybe you believed. Number five, gum will stay inside your stomach forever. This was something that I believed as a kid because of school. Like, if you accidentally swallowed gum, they'd be like, it's going to be in there forever, man. That gum is never going to go away. And you would start crying and get all afraid. Even I even thought about this as I was talking about gum. I thought about in, when we were at lunch, if someone swallowed a seed from like an apple or something they were eating, we would literally tell them like, hey, there's going to be an apple tree that, grow in, inside, that grows inside you right now. You got to get that out. And they would be so scared. I'm like, why would we do that? I don't know. I don't know. Number six, your bed covers is the most protective force against evil. Come on, anybody ever have those moments where, you know, you didn't know it was in the closet or under the bed and you would just pull the covers up and you knew if you were under there, no amount of boogeyman or demonic creature that's living in your closet could attack you. Come on, is that only me? Is this just me that believed all these things? I don't know. (laughs) And the last one, now I know we'll all agree with this one, is that nap time is a punishment. At 34 years old, I know that ain't no punishment for me with a four-year-old child and, and leading the church. Nap time is a blessing now and no punishment at all. Can I get a good amen if you love a good nap? Come on. Sunday morning nap. After that Sunday morning lunch, there's nothing better. And I believe those things could affect us, and they're, they're goofy and they're fun, but there might be some lies that we believe about Jesus that are now affecting our life as we try to grow in him that can he really be who he says he is in my life? Does he really want to have a relationship with me if he knows everything about me? He knows what I've said or knows what I've done. Does he knows, if he knows what's going on in here or what's going on in here, does he really want to know me and have a relationship with me? Is he really able to forgive me? Is he really able to be there when I really need him? Is he truly in control? The issues that I see in the world right now are pretty big. Is he truly in control? Is he truly going to be more than enough? And I want to give you the truth of all that today. Because Jesus, the greatest thing I understand now in my life is that Jesus is who he says he is. And he can do what he said he's going to do. And he is better than you can possibly imagine. He is a good God. And let me give you why the book of Colossians was written. So the book of Colossians was written, great things to write down today. The author is Paul. He, he wrote the book of Colossians, and he wrote it from prison in 62 AD. Now, I want you to realize how important this is because Paul was going around the world at this time planting churches, and he's thrown in prison for preaching the name of Jesus, preaching the good news of Jesus, preaching that Jesus is king, not the emperor, and that's a big deal in the Roman Empire at that time, and so they throw him in jail. And Paul could, at this time, approach life so defeated and so distraught 
and say, you know what, God, I was doing what you called me to do, and I've been thrown in jail. Well, that's it. I'm giving up on you. But Paul realized that when he gave his life to Jesus, that the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus was something in this moment he was going to hold on to. So it was in this moment that he said, well, if I can't go out in the streets and plant churches and teach people, I'm going to write letters to all these churches. And because of that perspective, because of that change in his heart and change in his mind, we're still reading the letters that Paul wrote from prison that encourage you and help me in my faith journey because Paul looked at a difficult and dark situation and said, you know what? If I give these moments to God, he can do something miraculous and powerful and that is bigger than I could possibly imagine. I wanted just to take a moment and encourage you. You may feel like you're in a prison of something right now, and instead of wallowing and complaining, would you just surrender that season to God and say, you know what, God, I'm going to still serve you and seek you, and you could probably use the way I go through this life somehow to be a testimony to someone else, so I'm going to understand that you're good enough, you're more than enough, and you are in control, so I'm not giving up. Now I'm going to keep moving forward. So who did he write this to? The church in Colossae and a guy by the name of Epaphras. Now, Paul didn't actually physically plant the church in Colossae. He did a lot of the other ones that we read in Scripture. But he actually, it was actually planted by a guy named Epaphras. So scholars believe that Epaphras was in Ephesus, another city that Paul did plant a church, and heard Paul talk about the good news of Jesus. Heard him talk about God in an approachable and accessible way. And he realized... My friends and family at home need to know this. My friends and family at home need to realize that God is good and he is approachable and accessible and we can experience him on this earth and that he loves his people and he wants to have a loving relationship with them to be forgiven and free and to know what Jesus did in their life. And so he made the journey back home and planted a church in Colossae. It wasn't a big church, but it mattered to Paul because someone took the message that he had given and brought it home. Can I encourage you today that where, when you find encouragement is when you take the message you've been given and you're downloading today and bring it to your friends and bring it to your family and your colise, wherever it is, in your neighborhood or your workplace or in that relationship with a friend that you have to say, hey, you know what? We've been talking about Jesus on Sunday mornings and he's more than enough. He can be there for you. So why don't you come sit with me and hear about the Jesus that can change your life because he's changed mine. This is on a Sunday morning, not just for us, but we all gotta be like Epaphras in our mind and say, hey, there's someone in my life who needs this message about the love of God, about the forgiveness and freedom that Jesus offers. There's someone in my life to need, that needs to know the truth so that that truth will set them free. And the last thing is that why did Paul write this? It's because in Colossae at this time, there was an attack on the person and deity of Jesus. People were saying Jesus was not as important as he had been proclaimed to be. People were saying Jesus was not what life is all about. People were saying there was another way. There were other things that were essential and supreme over him. The main kind of battle that the church in Colossae was fighting was that these teachings was, were, were beginning to seep into the church from this philosophical movement known as Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was this movement that said there's a secret knowledge out there for a select few, and that's what life is all about to know more, to be better, 
to achieve and succeed. And their opinion of God was that God was a very distant God who wanted nothing to do with humanity. And it was all about building your head knowledge, building your physical acumen so that you can begin to achieve and do more and be better than the person around you. I cannot think of a more worse lie to seep into the church than thinking that it's all about just head knowledge and being better than the person next to you and that God is far from humanity. The truth of the gospel is that we're all messed up. We're all broken. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We've already always done bad, wrong things, and God is not at a distance, but in that darkness, it's when he stepped into the mess and stepped into the darkness through his son Jesus and gave us life through the cross and gave us freedom through Jesus conquering death so we could be forgiven and set free and experience the full life that we were created for you. So you can see how Paul was like, "Uh uh-uh, not on my time are you going to let those lies seep into the church. Jesus is more than enough, and he's supreme as sufficient, and I'm not letting you take hostage the people in that church. So he wrote this letter to a seemingly insignificant place, but it's a letter that I believe provides us with the truth of Jesus that we need to lean into today. Why? Because Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and moved us into the kingdom of God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, here's what it says. It says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, this is where I want you to lean in, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What is the goal of Sunday mornings here at Local City Church? I mean, if it starts with, you know, you, you feel welcomed and you feel cared for and you enjoy the free coffee, your kids have fun, that, we love all that. We put a lot of effort and resource into that because that is the beauty of the church. But the ultimate goal for every single individual that comes to Local City Church is to give you the opportunity to know God better and better personally. It's to know Jesus better and better as the friend that sticks close in those difficult times. And what we want to do right now, I'll use this this little phrase on Sundays. We want to take a peek at the Greek words that Paul was using. And there was a word that I'd love for you to write down. It won't be on the screen, but I'll give you the spelling. It's epignosis, E-P-I-G-N-O-S-I-S, epignosis. Now, you can see how it has a little similarity to this Gnostic belief about knowledge and intellect and IQ. But what Paul was saying here is it's not about knowing God here. It's about knowing God through one experience. And that experience is a personal relationship with him. So what Paul is saying is that you're going to grow and your life is going to move forward and you're going to see incredible things happen in you and through you only when you grow in a personal experience with God. And that moves forward and takes steps deeper and more and more day in and day out. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I got saved when I was, I said yes to Jesus when I was five years old in timeout at my private Baptist school because they were telling me at five years old, you're going to hell. And I was like, I don't want to go there. Jesus, please save me. It worked for me, I guess. But it didn't give me a relationship. It only gave me head knowledge. So I believed I was saved But life isn't just about being saved, it's about having a significant relationship with Jesus too. And it wasn't until that happened where I began to grow and realize that I learned more things about God day in and day out. 34 now, been following Jesus for 20 years, really with a relationship side of everything, with supreme and surrender and sufficiency, all of that. And I'm learning more about God every day. 
I'm learning more about God in the difficult things and in the good things of my life. As a father, I'm learning more about God. As a husband, I'm learning more about God. If you ever get to the place where you're like, eh, that God thing, I know all about that. That is not a good place. And you should say, nope, I will never say that again. Because <laughs> there's always more. There's always more. The epignosis of our knowledge of following God and trusting him. I want you to write this down today. Knowing God should fundament, fundamentally change us which will overflow into our daily actions. If you want to begin to see changes happen in your daily actions, that does start on the spiritual and soul level of who you are. Receiving and allowing God to pour into us, if you would just imagine, you know, pouring into a cup, and as it overflows, it flows onto the table around it. The only way our daily actions begin to change and transform is by knowing God more and more. See, I, I grew up when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I read that verse and, and heard it as, do what I say is right, obey me, and then I'll love you. That's not what it says. It says the more you, what, it, what Jesus is saying is the more you know me, the more you love me, then obeying my commands will just be natural. Look at what it says. If you love me, if you love me and know who I am and have a daily relationship with me, obedience will just be natural. Obedience will just come as an afterthought because it's overflowing into the other things of who you are and what you say and what you do. Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says this. I had this verse as a poster up on my room as a high school student. I mean, come on, it doesn't get more Christian than that, than having a Bible verse and a big old poster in your room. It says this, Christ is the, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, Christ is the image of the invisible God he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. One of the biggest questions we're dealing with with Shepherd right now is when we tell him about Jesus, his first thing sometimes is, and it's so, so sweet, so cute, but I don't see him. But I can't see him. I know, buddy, but, but it's just like the wind. You see his effect. You see what happens when he's present and when he's there and he's always with you. And I, and I remind him that sometimes we can't see God, but we can see the life of Jesus in Scripture. And we can read the actual, I hate using the word stories because they're not stories, they're historical events that happened. We can see what it looked like when God walked the earth in the person of Jesus. So I would say, if you want to know what God is like, look at the story of Jesus. Look at the historical account of who Jesus is and how he interacted with people and how he cared for people and how he loved them and performed miracles for them and fed them and raised people from the dead and healed them and taught them that God is not far away, that taught them that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that I don't have to fear the world because you can take heart. I've overcome the world today. That's what we see. That is the image of the invisible God. And it begins to go on. I mean, if you want to read about who Jesus is, just read Colossians 1, and Paul goes on this amazing poetic passage about who Jesus is. It says this, that verse 18, he's the beginning the first in everything. Where does life change start, Jesus? Where does forgiveness start, Jesus? Where does healing and wholeness start, Jesus? Where does a life-giving community start, Jesus? Where is the answer to the situation that you're facing right now, whatever it may be, financial, relational, spiritual, emotional, mental, Jesus? And it's not just saying it. I'm not just telling you to pray more and do more so you get better, I'm saying Trust Jesus, know him, lean into your relationship with him and see what happens. My wife said something so poetic this week. 
and I've been using it a lot with people I've been meeting with, that wherever you lean, that's where you're going to fall. And so if you want to lean into the world and what culture says and society says and the news says and TikTok and those great wise sages that are on there, that's where you're going to fall. But if you want to lean into the word of God and trust him, even when it's hard, even when you may, people may turn their back on you, even when you feel like this isn't comfortable, but it's, it seems like it's what's true, you're going to fall into the things of God. You're going to fall into his word. You're going to fall into his protection and blessing. Here's the thing I really want you to understand, that if your relationship with Jesus, if you and Jesus always agree, chances are you're God in your life and not Jesus. Because I'm telling you some of the most Difficult times I've walked through is when I felt uncomfortable and it's been difficult to follow Jesus, but I did it anyway and realized he was right. And I, and I continue to trust him. Here's why, write this down, your view of Jesus will impact every area of your life. If you have a small view of Jesus, he will have a small impact on your life. If you have a grand view of Jesus, that he is supreme and sufficient and first in everything in the image of the invisible God and nothing has been created without his presence and power and it was all created by him and for him, if that's your view of Jesus, then woo, he's gonna have a big impact on your life. And that's, that's, that's my heart for you is that you would fill that journal with scriptures and promises and descriptions of who Jesus is. And the reason we're even able to know God and follow him is because of Jesus. And if you'll just stay with me for a few more moments as we close today. If you're still feeling kind of on the outside looking in, if it's your first time back in church in a long time, if you've never stepped into the relational side of Jesus, can I give you a powerful verse for you today? Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, it says this. This includes you. Come on, give the person a nudge next to you. Say, hey, what he's about to say includes you. Just let him know, come on. This, this friend, this neighbor, this spouse, what he's about to say, this includes you. And I want you to get it. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence Look at this right here. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I need this verse every day. Because I, you know what? There's an enemy out there who absolutely hates me and my family and our church and wants all of that to be destroyed and to be insignificant. He wants Jesus to take a back, back seat to my life. He wants him to, if, the best place for the enemy to have Jesus in my life is to be important, but not truly first where he changes everything about my life. Because I'm not effectual unless he's truly first. And what happens here is I need to read this verse and remind myself, this includes me. And I can stand in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. Because I love this, I wrote this whole statement down in my journal personally because I believe it's going to help us. If your view of Jesus is less, is any less than who he is, as supreme over everything and sufficient in anything, then our theology slips and our life suffers. Now, what is theology? It's not some church word. It's honestly just our understanding of God in our life. And if that begins to slip, our life suffers. If that begins to slip and we begin to second guess who God is, not that God isn't big enough for your doubts and questions and frustrations and fears and angers, I can tell you personally he is, 
But it's one of those things that if our understanding of him begins to slip, then our life suffers. What I want to encourage you to do today is just have a posture over the next few weeks of, Jesus, whatever you say, I want to listen and lean into that. I had to do this this past week. Um, a couple of weeks ago, our microwave broke in our kitchen. And when your microwave breaks, you realize how often you use it, right? Like when you no longer have a microwave and you're just eating like cold food, and like for me, I'm very impatient when I'm hungry. Like I don't want to wait for the oven to preheat or water to boil. I'm hungry now, right? Just learning a little bit about what God is dealing with in me, my impatience and things like that. So the microwave is very helpful. And it was broken, and we were trying to figure out how to get by and get this all worked out. And eventually, Adrian was like, can you finally just go buy one? Can you go buy a microwave and replace it? And I was like, sure, of course. So I go to Home Depot, buy a microwave. But the reason I was kind of holding it off is because our microwave doesn't sit on the counter. It's one of the the above-the-stove ones that you got to hang up. And so I'm like, I may look it, but I'm not the handiest of people. Like, I, I, you know, I could screw something in and follow Ikea instructions pretty well, but when it comes to, like, actual repair things, yeah. But there's this great thing that exists now. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called YouTube. If you haven't heard of it, it's really great for this kind of stuff. And so I literally just typed in YouTube, replacing microwave above the oven. And there was, like, a 10-minute video, and I was like, oh, awesome. And I, like, watched that thing and took notes and I was like, okay, okay, do this. Yeah, you can make sure it's the anchor in the stud. Make sure, yeah, there's space. Have someone there to help you. Don't try to do it alone like most men do. Like have someone to hold the microwave for you and help you. Okay, okay, okay. And then I had the video playing as I was doing it. And I got to tell you, if you come over to my house, you'll be like, man, who installed that microwave? Would a professional do that? I'm like, yes, they did. A YouTube professional, me, installed that. And I, at, any, at no point in that, in that video was I like, ah, I got it now. I understand the rest. All right, yeah, I heard it once. I can do it on my own. No matter, I hung on every word of that little YouTube repairman. And I need you to understand that that sounds insignificant, but it's so key for our life. When you're going through a problem and you're having to solve something, open your, open your Bible. Open what God has said to you about these things. Go to him first and say, God, what would you have me do? And so, like I said before, the humility of me was knowing I'm not a repair guy. I can't do this on my own. How foolish of me would it be to say, well, you know what? I've never done this before, but I think that guy's wrong. I think I know better. Uh, if I can, you know, provide some humility, I didn't create the universe. And so I should retire as trying to manage my own universe. And just say, God, it's up to you. You're in control. I really need just to let go and let you, and I'm just going to hang on every word that you say. I'm going to hang on everything that you've instructed me to do. When I need a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage, God, what did you say about that? I'm just going to study that and believe it and write it down and go for it. What did you say about having healthy friendships or your blessing in financial situations or even my faith journey? What did you say about that? I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to hang on every word that you've said. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to grow my relationship with you. I'm going to follow you and trust you even when it's difficult. Most importantly, God, I'm going to be in your house and start the week right. I'm going to start my day with you. In that first 15, five minutes of God's word, five minutes of worship, and five minutes of prayer. Because in Colossians 1.23, it says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. There's a lot of news out there. We're the most informed generation ever. And I can tell you that I think that's done way more harm than good. 
because we're disconnected, it's volatile, it's hostile, we're divided. So knowing, obviously, the Gnostic point of view of knowing is not the secret. The secret has always been what God has said. Hey, trust me, I'm supreme and I'm sufficient. And so stand firm in that. And as I close today, I want to give you these things. I want to give you this little prayer to pray every single morning this week. And I'll give you a new one next week. But here's the one I want to give you today. I want you to pray this every morning. Say, say, dear Jesus, you can write this down or take a picture of it. Dear Jesus, it was you who saved me. It was you who forgave me and you who freed me. And that's why today I, I trust you. And today I follow you first before anything else. I don't follow myself. I don't follow my friends. I don't follow social media voices or the news. I follow you because those people didn't save me. They didn't free me. They didn't forgive me. You did. Those people, those voices, they didn't give their life for me. You did. They didn't conquer death. You did. So you're worthy of trusting. You're worthy of following. So I would encourage you to pray that prayer every morning. And if that's too many words for you, I'm going to give you six words just to say to yourself every day when you feel defeated spiritually, when you feel like you don't know what's going on, when you feel like you don't know what the next decision is. Just take a deep breath, take a reset, get a fresh clean of your spirit and breathe in the presence of Jesus as you stand there and say this, Jesus Christ in me, changing everything. I'm so stressed out, God, by life. I don't know what to do. Everything's falling off. Jesus Christ in me changing everything. I feel like all my relationships are going haywire. It's so much chaos right now. What are we going to do? It seems like everyone hates each other. Jesus Christ in me, changing everything. Man, politically, economically, who am I going to turn to? Who's going to save us? Who's going to help us? Is there any hope for the future? Jesus Christ in me, changing everything. And that's a tool every single one of us has. That is a resource that every single one of us needs. And here's why this is so important. It's because when you take a deep breath and say, Jesus Christ, it reminds you to know the truth of Jesus and how it relates to me. If you're like me, the truth I needed of Jesus is that he loved me and accepted me unconditionally because I felt so insecure as a kid and so angry all the time. I needed to know that that truth in my life and how it related to me. What about in me? Well, I need to know the love of Jesus too and what he's done for me. To know that there was someone who gave his life and conquered death for me. What? And he still wants to know me. Still wants to have a relationship with me. He changes, then he changes everything so that I can grow my actions, my attitudes, and my mindsets. I would ask you today, where do you need to grow a little bit? Is it in your actions? Is it in your attitude? Or in your mindset? And I just want you to know, Jesus is more than enough He is supreme, and he is sufficient, and he is everything that you're looking for. He's the image of the invisible God. He's first before everything. And I want to challenge us to move from he's just important to that he's truly, truly first. Jesus Christ in me, changing everything. Does that help you today, local city church? Come on, let's celebrate what God's doing today in this place. And would you stand to your feet with me as we close?